Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode of the SickCast is from a live conference titled Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, the Benevolent Warrior, that originally took place on Saturday, March 27th, 2021. Surinder Paul delves into the interactions that Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib had with the people and communities throughout his visit, as well as the underlying principles that governed the Guru's politics. The Guru faced opposition all around him. How was the Guru able to navigate through violent experiences with the purest grace and wisdom? Srinderpal explains. Politics of the Sword Warrior Guru Understanding the Guru's infinitely dynamic personality the Sikh Panth is celebrating the 400th Prakash Purup of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib this year, and the focus is on the legacy of the Guru. While we yearn to learn from the Guru's message, we often fall into the trap of conceiving the Guru personality in a set frame of stereotypical ideas. We sometimes stereotype to make sense of things around us and put them in a specific frame of mind. Occasionally, we do so out of convenience or to create a pseudo-reality that suits our worldviews or perspectives. Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib's life sketch is one such example of our compartmentalized worldview. While the Guru in his earthly journey exhibited myriad divine colors, we can see only a few. Even though the Guru played an active role in the community, took part in the Battle of Kartarpur in his early life and gave martyrdom for the freedom of life and expression, he is still portrayed as a recluse. We do not realize that each of the Guru's responses were based on divine principles of love, justice, humility and forgiveness. While the Guru worked to further build and strengthen the community, he faced many detractors, some of whom undermined the Sikh institutions and were also violent. This essay will explore Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib's responses and examine how his approach dynamically changed based on the issues. To understand the Guru's reaction to various situations of aggression, we will take three case studies one each from within the family, the community, and the external world. First example is familial discords. As soon as Guru Harkrishan Sahib left the earthly realm and informed the Sangat that the next Guru Baba was at Bakala, many Guru imposters cropped up. These imposters set up their seats at Bakala to lay claims to the divine throne of Guru Nanak Sahib's house. There were 22 major claimants. Among them, the prominent ones were Meenas of Amritsar and many imposters from the Sodi clan. The Meenas were the followers of Prithi Chand, the eldest son of Guru Ram Das Sahib, who had started his own parallel line after the Guru selected his younger son, Arjun, to succeed him. And among the Sodis 
one of the significant claimants was Tirumal, who proved to be the biggest troublemaker. Tirumal was the elder son of Baba Gurditta, who was the eldest son of Guru Hargobind Sahib. This was one reason why Tirumal believed that he was the rightful owner of the Guruship. His other claim to Guruship was that he had the original Adi Granth, which Pai Gurdas wrote under the supervision of Guru Arjan Sahib. Custody of the six scriptures original manuscript, that is the Kartarpuri bead, had further emboldened him. In terms of familial connection, he was the nephew of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, Baba Gurutatta being the elder brother of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. Consequently, Tirmal was one of the many claimants sitting in Bakala before Makhan Shah Lubana discovered Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. To establish himself, Tirmal ran a parallel court. He hired courtiers to serve him in order to put up a show. Despite this, the Guru was discovered by Makhan Shah and then identified by Baba Gurditta, the head priest, and Divan Dargahamal, the Prime Minister of the Guru's court. They offered Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib the royal regalia of Guru Harkishan Sahib, which represented the Guru's status as the Guru, thus completing the ceremonial anointment. Once Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib was established, the fake Gurus started leaving slowly. But Tirmal remained adamant and stayed put. He continued to run his parallel court. However, this still did not satisfy Tirmal's hunger for power. He wanted to sit on the throne of Guru Nanak Sahib's house. He hired a rogue named Shihan, who further engaged professional mercenaries to eliminate Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. One day, when the Guru's court was not in session and the attendees had left, the mercenaries attacked the Guru. A few Sikhs who were still present there fought the mercenaries, while other Sikhs returned hearing the commotion. During this incident, Tirmal shot the Guru, but the attack was foiled and the Guru only received a bullet scratch. Meanwhile, Tirmal's men looted Sikhs' offering and other things from the Guru's court before running away. The Sikhs chased Tirmal and his party up to his dwelling and took away everything, including the offerings, the Kartarpuri beard, and even Tirmal's personal belongings. The Sikhs returned to the Guru with the offerings, Kartarpuri beard, and Tirmal's personal items. The Sikh tradition beautifully preserves the Guru's response when he saw that. What great did he do by taking away offerings, but it does not suit us to be perturbed by it? Quotes Sukha Singh in Gurbilas Pashahi Dasmi. Additionally, the Guru offered his advice to the Sikhs, which Kavi Santok Singh records. The Guru asked the Sikhs to forgive Tirmal and return all his belongings and what he had looted from the Guru's court. Since Gurbani was dearest to the Sikhs, some Sikhs might have insisted upon keeping at least the Kartarpuri bead. But the Guru asked the Sikhs to return even that, since the light of the Shabad, the Divine Word, was already manifesting in the person of the Guru. Recognize forgiveness as the greatest austerity 
return all that belongs to him, also ignore what he took away from us. O oh son, why do you insist so much over it? Do not keep it with us and place the Kartarpuri beer back. Santok Singh in Suraj Prakash. It is worth noting that sometimes we end up distorting the Guru's personality or see only a part of it based on how the Guru is described in history or through specific historical episodes. For instance, because we do not know much about the public life of the master before he became the Guru, he is usually painted as a recluse or someone who did not play an active role in the community affairs earlier. Similarly, the Guru's humility in forgiving Tirmal may be seen as a sign of a softer personality. We do similar things with other Guru personalities when we try to praise them by attaching earthly human qualities to their persona. For example, great poet, peaceful and gentle, brave warrior, skilled general. But the Guru being divine-like and perfect is all of these qualities at the same time and still above and beyond all these worldly qualities. We can find many parallels to this response of the Guru in the Guru period itself. One example is of Guru Amar Das Sahib. When Pai Datu, the son of Guru Angad Sahib, the second Guru, did not like the fact that the Guruship went to Guru Amar Das Sahib, he went to the court of Guru Amar Das Sahib and kicked him. The devotees were shocked. However, the Guru got up and touched the feet of Pai Datu with humility, saying that his bones have become hard due to his old age and they must have hurt Pai Datu's tender feet. In addition, Guru Amar Das Sahib left Govindwal in all probability to avoid further friction. He moved to his native village Basarke and started working for the growth and development of Sikhi from there. Our next case study is from the Guru's community life. After the death of Meherban, a descendant of Prithi Chand, Harji Meena was installed in his place in 1640. Harji Meena now controlled Sri Harimandar Sahib Amritsar. The absence of the 6th, 7th and 8th Guru from the region helped the Meenas establish their control over the Gurdwaras. The tradition informs us that when Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib came to Amritsar to pay a visit, the priests closed the doors of Sri Harmandar Sahib on the Guru at the behest of Harji. The Guru did not leave immediately. He waited for a while near Akal Takht Sahib before he got up to leave the city. The place where the Guru sat is now called Tham Sahib, the pillar of patience. On his way out of the city, the Guru was greeted by a woman devotee named Mata Hariya from Valla village who took him to her place and served him well. When the Sikhs came to know about the incident, with the help of Makhan Shah, they got the gates of Sri Harimandar Sahib opened. The Sangat collected offerings and went to the Valla village to pray for forgiveness. The Guru finally blessed the Sangat. When a Sikh institution or community space was at stake, even though the Guru did not fight, he did not leave immediately either. 
the Guru probably let the situation escalate to where the faithful would learn about the incident, organize and reclaim the community space. A community space or institution so carefully nurtured over many decades or centuries cannot be easily given away. It also shows us that sometimes issues can be resolved just by mobilizing people and opinions without violence. Unlike in the case of Tirmal, the Guru took a slightly different approach in the case of an institution. We notice many such examples of the Gurus not giving space to individuals who undermined institutions. One such example is of father and son duo Paisatta and Balwand. They used to do Kirtan at Guru Arjan Sahib's court. Once Paisatta sought financial help from the Guru for his daughter's marriage, the Guru offered him donations that the devotees would give on that particular day. However, the offerings from that day were lower than usual. The father and son duo got displeased. They were led to believe that the devotees came to listen to their recital of the Shabad and if they stopped doing Kirtan, the devotees would not come to the Guru. The next day, they did not show up at the Guru's court. Guru Arjan Sahib sent six to their house to bring them, but they refused and spoke arrogantly, saying that the Kirtan happened only because of them. The Guru did not tolerate this slight to Kirtan. He started doing Kirtan and the Sangat joined in. The Guru also instructed the Sangat to stay away from the two. Over time, the health of both father and son started deteriorating. Nobody came near them. They soon realized their mistake and sought the help of Pai Ladda, a Sikh from Lahore. The Guru forgave them on the prayer of Pai Ladda. Pai Satta and Balwand resumed their service of Kirtan at the Guru's court. Thus the sanctity of the institution was preserved and the tradition of Kirtan continued. The third case study is on the Guru's response to external discords. At the time of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib, the entire Northeast was a part of the extended rule of the Mughals. Raja Ram Singh was the local king of one of the principalities of the Assam region. He was a good friend of the Guru from the time of Guru Harkrishan Sahib. He accompanied Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib on his itineraries to Bengal. Raja Ram Singh is known in history to have appeased the Emperor Aurangzeb multiple times and advised him not to use force against the Guru. Aurangzeb used to get intelligence to the fact that the Guru was politically active and was organizing communities against the Mughal state. Meanwhile, a local tribe, Ahom, attacked Guwahati and wrested control of the city. The leader of the tribe was a monarch named Chakradhvaj. Aurangzeb appointed Raja Ram Singh to get the city back from the Ahoms. This is the same region in which Kamrup fell, which was known for sorcery and black magic. People were scared to venture into that region. Ram Singh, being aware of it, sought the help of the Guru to accomplish this task. Both left the car together in December 1668 and reached Assam in February 1669. 
As the forces under Ram Singh were approaching Guwahati, the Ahom tribe sent a woman who did black magic to counter Ram Singh's army, camped at Tubri. A small river separated the woman and Ram Singh's army. Tradition records that she tried all kinds of black magic. First, she is said to have thrown a 26 feet long stone at the Guru and the army. Later, an uprooted tree, but nothing worked. Finally, Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib shot an arrow and the magic of the sorceress withered. The tribe fell at the feet of the Guru and asked for forgiveness. The Guru forgave and assured them that he did not mean harm. He was there only to broker peace. After advising Ram Singh to not go to war with Ahoms, the Guru left for Bihar on a short sojourn. However, while the Guru was away in Bihar, both sides started to prepare for war, not heeding the Guru's advice. In the ensuing battle, Ram Singh's nephew was killed. He laid a prolonged siege to the Ahom fort. Meanwhile, Ram Singh also learned that Aurangzeb had killed his son. Aurangzeb had kept Ram Singh's son in his captivity as security so that Ram Singh did not betray him. When Ram Singh came to know about this, he turned his back on Aurangzeb. In the meanwhile, the Guru returned. The Guru took this opportunity and sent an envoy to broker peace between the two parties. Finally, a settlement was reached due to the mediation and influence of the Guru. As a result, Guwahati remained independent of the Mughal rule. As per the agreement, boundaries were marked up in the Guru's presence so that no side violated the other's territory. Since the armies on both sides were spared much bloodshed, they were extremely grateful to the Guru. The peace settlement was celebrated by a joint homage by both the armies to a previously built shrine of Guru Nanak Sahib. A mound of peace was raised at Dubri with the red earth brought by the soldiers of both the armies from the adjoining Rangamati and other areas. This monument stands even today commemorating the Guru's mediation. The Guru's diplomacy in response to discords is spelled by many other Guru persons who kept differences aside to keep or bring peace. One such example is of Guru Hargobind Sahib reconciling with Emperor Jahangir after the martyrdom of Guru Arjan Sahib. Even though the hostile nature of the Mughal state had never permanently changed. The relationship kept blowing hot and cold during Hargobind Sahib's reign itself. When the time came, the Sikhs even battled the Mughals at Rohila in 1621 in response to the Mughal military campaign against the growing influence of the Sikhs. This response of Guru Hargobind Sahib is echoed in Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib's life as well. Ninth Guru is known to have valiantly fought in the Battle of Kartarpur in his formative years. Tradition informs us that it was because of this battle that Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib was named so. His previous name was Tyagmal. During the Guru's reign in peacetime, his response to hostility consistently remained diplomatic and accommodating 
as long as the institutional sanctity of Sikhi was maintained. His actions always upheld the universal principles of liberty and justice. The Guru's responses always remained dynamic, depending on the issues at hand and what was at stake. There are great lessons to be learned from the great Guru's responses. One is not to take attacks and affronts personally and to learn to forgive. At times, there is a need to identify whether an issue is about personal ego or one's dignity and sovereignty. Mostly, more than the actual issue, it is usually the individual ego and stubborn positions one takes that lead to escalations. The Guru teaches us to learn to keep our egos in check and work for the betterment of everyone. But when an institution or a principle is at stake, there is no room for compromise, since the issue no longer remains personal. This is evident from the Guru's decision to give the ultimate sacrifice of his life when the Kashmiri Pandits came to seek the Guru's refuge to escape Aurangzeb's forcible conversion, even though the Guru did not subscribe to the inequitable worldview of the Brahmins. Consequently, as the Sikhs of the Guru, we are encouraged to always stand for and uphold the universal principles of the right to life, liberty, faith and expression at every cost. That is the basis of a divine aware existence and the essence of the Guru's message to us. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.